All right, grateful you guys are here. Um, we're going to talk about uh, some verses from Ecclesiastes and just share our wisdom together on these things as we read and think and meditate on them. Um, the wisdom literature we've already been talking about is in some ways a very unusual genre, I think, within Scripture in that it's, it's very observational and it's... It's uh, specific to a certain time and place, and you have to use know, have wisdom to know when to put the wisdom into practice. I guess that's part of being wise, is when to know when to do what. Um, so what I did, and we've kind of set all this up, and um, picked out a few verses from Ecclesiastes that I just think are interesting and would be interesting and fun to talk about. Um, Ecclesiastes, I was reading again last night, and it's... You know, we have a few days in our miserable lives to try to be happy. And let's, let's try to make the best of it, best we can. Um, one of the things about Ecclesiastes, the way that, that has changed for me fairly recently, last five or ten years, I used to think of it as I, I focused on the, the part under the sun, that this isn't, you know, things, if you have an under the sun perspective, which to me meant. Let's just assume that things are just as we see them, and there's no God above, then uh, this is the best way, best you can do. Uh, but a lot of interpreters that I've read think it's, it's more uh, optimistic than that, and it actually is valid wisdom, even for those people who do believe in God and, and believe that God is in control of the world. So my reading of it has is, is changed some. Um, I don't know how to manage all the verses within it with this newer perspective of a more positive outlook of this is really good wisdom, even if you do believe in God and believe that God is in control. So that's just something I put out there and get your thoughts on and, and think about as we read through these passages. Uh, the one that we're going to start with is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And several people have mentioned to me the song by the birds. Uh, which we probably all know, I hope that we've heard it, uh, it pretty much goes by this word for word, except they add this thing, turn, turn, turn. Is that, that's, I don't think that's in the passage itself. It's catchy though, turn, turn, turn. And we'll read through that. We'll read through this, and we'll think about that song. Um, that song, I think, is taking these verses in a more feel-good, I mean, it's a feel-good type song. Uh, and, and, of course, it's from the 60s, so we got to factor in the culture, the culture they were speaking to at the time. And then let's also think about what we've read from and know about Ecclesiastes and its overall point, which we talked about last week, and is that the point that it, that the writer of Ecclesiastes is trying to, you know, what exactly is the point? This is what I'm asking. What is the point of these verses? Because I think it's, it's maybe not as obvious as we would hope. Let me put in a sentence. Yeah. At my wife's memorial service Thursday. The walking out music at the end of the service was turn, 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 because I thought life goes on. Yeah, my wife would have wanted everybody to realize that. Yeah. And 
count the time that I spent in this class as putting that idea in my head. Yeah. So, you see, you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Bible. It's not me, it's the Bible. <laughs> no, thanks for sharing that. And I think that's, I think that is a message we're going to get from this. Um, I think that's really good. We're going we're gonna to think about that. Um, okay, so let's read this together. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. This is an NIV translation. Time to be born and time to die. Time to plant and a time to uproot. Time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. Time to weep and a time to laugh. Time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate. Time for war and a time for peace. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I'm just going to give you a brief moment to talk with people around you about what sticks out to you from these, these particular selection of, of opposites and putting them together like this. Um, what sticks out to you, which, which one of these things, maybe a verse that, that helps us know, are we optimistic about this? Is this an optimistic or a pessimistic? What sense do you get from this? All right, so just take a minute to discuss this with each other, and then we'll come back together and share. I don't know. <clears throat> Sometimes you have to search. Right. Sometimes you can't always. Like she was saying, like, time to heal, like, peace. But sometimes there are times to heal, like, that's very synthetical. Sometimes that's his suggestion. I mean, yeah. I've been gardening a lot recently, so there are definitely times when you're, when you're doing seeds where you have to kill some of the plants so that other plants can actually get the plants. So, yeah, but then talking that towards people, like, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. 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 I don't know.
But the like the nighttime killing and nighttime killing, like that. And I don't know what the original is. That's what I hear. Yeah. I don't know the translation details of this either. that's just the way things are and not the way things should be. Yeah. Because I don't think God would want war, or at least Jesus. <laughs> There's nothing God and Jesus. I don't think Jesus would want war, but... Yeah, and the love and the hate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does this mean it's, you know, well, sometimes we got to hate people. Um, or hate things, George. Not hate, necessarily people. We can hate things. <laughs> hate ideas or hate... Hate, hate evil. Hate, hate evil. Is it okay to hate Satan? Yes. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Our group, and I'm going to speak for our group, correct me. Uh, it, it was a, it's a balance, it's a lot, it's life. It's, it's like the way life is, it's a balance that you try to, try to stay in some sort of balance. And one person pointed out, which I thought was really good, was that uh, it helps, it gives you permission that you can mourn. You're not going to always be happy. Times aren't going to always be perfect. Um, it's just accepting how your life is. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. 
Well, that shut everything down. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think it's because I think it's because it's so profound. And Ed was in my group. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, we can really talk about all these things. I think this verse applies to Ed. <laughs> Ed's, Ed's comment was, this is the, new, the big neutralizer. That's how I can <laughs> Yeah, it does feel that way. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a time for everything. So. Yeah. I think what you said, you know, time is life. Yeah. Uh, but part of it is wisdom, is to know whether it is time to give up or keep searching. Yeah. Is it time to pair or bend or scatter stones or build? You know, is it time to remodel? Or what is it? And how do we figure it out? But somewhere embedded in there are principles, like God's principles, as to love and hate, war and peace. Yeah, there's time for war. So. Uh, you know, it's something you solemnly judge. I believe that there's time for it. That's what I'm wondering. Is this permission? Is it permission? Or is it just a statement of, from observation, these, things, these are all things that happen? It, it, it does say at the beginning of that chapter 3 that it's, uh, it's a time for everything under heaven. Yeah. And so these are, this is life on earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think too, like the idea that it's a season and it's comforting because it's like this is a season of mourning, but it doesn't last forever. And so I think you know when you're looking at your life, if you're always mourning, then something's probably wrong. But if it's just I'm mourning because something bad happened, that's perfectly okay. Like there's there's a season yeah. for that. And to give you hope that if you're in that season, that there is, there's something else out there. Like, there's an opportunity. Yeah, and that's a life and death thing. There's a time to live and a time to die. I mean, that death, as we've said in Ecclesiastes, we're all going to die. Um, and and there's wisdom in recognizing that. So there's a there's a wisdom in knowing that we're not immortal, knowing that we're not. Um, infinite, knowing that there's there's a variation in life. It's not always the same. Um, we're not God, and so all these things apply to us. Yeah. Someone, I, there's time for war and time for peace. Uh, struggle. I know the name, and uh, these go take a longer time to work out than any one lifetime. I've been knocking around in this big world since 1963, and there's never been time for this. It's always been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so in that sense, it's encouraging to make you guys the real honor. Maybe there will be a time for peace. Mm -hmm. there, there's a technical term for these oppositions. It's called, if I remember correctly, marismus. You guys that had exegesis remember Marismus? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, I don't know with more guys. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, uh, 
and it's a, especially in the old, in Hebrew, um, it's a literary device, and it is is from here to the. Uh, it's like east to west, you know. As far as the east is from the west, God makes our sins pass away from him. As far as the east is from the west, I thought about that. Earlier. I thought, well, east and west eventually meet. So, <laughs> but no, what it means is it's taking polar opposites. And it, it, it means it includes everything. There's a, a range within them. So it's, it's saying there's a, there's a time for all the things that range from war to peace and, and love to hate and all that. So um, something along that line, just as a poetic device. Yeah. So if this is the, as we talked about last class, that there's someone who's observing Solomon's life and talking about this. There's almost not only is it the great neutralizer, it's also a great equalizer. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter that he was the wisest, richest man in the world; he still had all these experiences. Yeah. And so it, there is a little bit of like, you know, just because you have doesn't mean that you're not going to mourn. Yeah. Or weep, you know, all those things. So, so there's a common humanity that we all share. Um. I did a little, let's see, let me find it. Okay. Uh, this is from Peter Inns, who's an Old Testament scholar. Um, and this is from his, his blog, so it isn't, but it's taken kind of from his commentary that he wrote in Ecclesiastes. It kind of all goes together. But here's his perspective on it. He says, the bird's tune features great harmonies and gives off a feel good, be at peace with the world, Zen vibe, you know, the 60s. But these ancient words are anything but harmonious and peaceful. The seasons of life, Colette speaks of, aren't a comforting thought. Rather, they are completely out of human control. Birth and death, war and peace, mourning and dancing. These are things that happen to us, ready or not. We do not choose them. What do you think? Yeah. I think it's true that we don't choose them, but passages like this, can help us to accept them and maybe even embrace them. Like, I think the first time, especially when I was younger, when I'd be so frustrated with situations and it occurred to me, I was like, Kim, you have a reality problem. Like, this is the reality and you can't accept it. And I would be so frustrated. I think so much of my frustration in my 20s was just a reality problem. And, and recognizing, no, all these things are part of life and the quicker that you can adapt to the actual reality that is, the more a chance you have to find peace, if you can learn to embrace your season of mourning, yeah. um, that's a lot better than just butting up against, I don't know, you don't have to, just because you don't choose something doesn't mean you can't find peace in it. Yeah, yeah. And there's some wisdom in, in what they say, uh, what I can't control, what I can't control, right. and the difference, knowing mm -hmm. the difference. And a lot of this, a lot of Ecclesiastes reminder that there's precious little we actually yeah. can't control. Yeah. And there's a sense we're all in it together. Like, yeah. it's, like yeah. it's, it's just common human existence. Mm -hmm. If you're mourning, you're human. If you're hating something, you're human. Like, yeah. And we beat ourselves up over that sometimes. Mm -hmm. So the great equalizer, I mean, it's, it's kind of good to know that. It's kind of, because I, maybe so often we, we just think, we think it's all going to get better. And, and maybe that's even an American thing that we're plugged with, maybe in ways in our culture that it's, the newer is always going to be better. So we're always looking for something. It's going to get life is going to get better, and then if it doesn't get better, then yeah. 
this passage or this interpretation also changes because in the in the passage the very last for war and for peace are four, but everything else is two. So it takes away that is this a commandment? It says it's going to happen. So it's a time for mourning, a time for dancing. Like it's it kind of removes that command and makes it into a actual season. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is, I mean, is it comforting or not? I mean, in some ways it is comforting. I guess it's, I'm going to give the birds a break on If you can't see, if you can't see this, it's torturous to the point of people, you know, killing themselves. If you can't see that there's going to be a time, a season that's going to be good, and all you can see is the bad season, it's... It's too much for some people. Yeah. One other thing, this song came out in 1965. Mm -hmm. And in 1965, I was freshman in college. And I had a 2S uh, turbo status from the uh, uh, I forgot what it's called. Selective like service. Draft yeah. board. But if you were 1A, that means you're eligible and ready to go and be inducted into the Army, and you're, by the way, there's war going on. Mm -hmm. The last line of Turn, Turn, Turn is a time for peace. I swear it's not too late. Mm -hmm. You know the song. Yeah. And so it is almost complete mm -hmm. uh, for let's not have this war. But for those like me, who had, a, who had a little card in their pocket that said 2S. If you had a 1A, you were probably likely to be going to Fort Polk, Louisiana, and then Saigon. Yeah. And uh, it, it was, a, let's say, a compelling focusing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great point. The song is a peace song. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and in that line, almost does kind of say, well, maybe we can choose to a degree what time we're in, um, yeah. which is not exactly his message, but they were yeah. kind of hoping. We've tried the word. <laughs> yeah. it's, the, it's the balance of, you know, the phrase, well, it is what it is. Well, there's some truth to that. It is what it is. But sometimes that's a cop-out to say, well, it is what it is. I'm not going to try to change it. And that's, that's part of wisdom literature is knowing when to... Would to try to change and accepting that maybe it won't change. I would disagree with the quote that Peter ends where he says the seasons of life or coalesce, say it speaks, aren't a, aren't a comedy thought. But to me, seasons are comedy. The seasons mean temporary. I mean, it's not going to last just what we've yeah. already said, yeah. but you know, some people like spring. Some people like winter. You know, they can't wait for another month, another season. So it's just, to me, it just says, hey, you know, just hang in there. Yeah. But I also know that when you're a young person, the fear of your parents dying, your grandparents dying first, and then your parents dying, it's a dread. Because we all know it's going to happen to us. And, or, you know, it can happen where your children die, but it's natural for your grandparents to die before you. And I... I remember dreading it before my grandmother died, and I remember thinking, now it's my parents next. You know, that just dread. 
My mom said that. My mom said, okay, now I'm next. Because it's just the nature of... It's she's the, nature. the oldest one. She's, she's the oldest one now, and so she's like, okay, there's nobody between me and dad. It's just... It's dread. It's the dread. Anybody relate? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I think the comforting scripture with that is precious in the sight of the Lord of the death of the saints. And I, I don't think of death... As, a, as an ending. Mm -hmm. And I don't think of death as, as, as really truly bad. I mean, I think when young people die, it's much sadder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when it's when you're old and you know that when you die, you're going, you know, yeah. going back to God, you're going to God and, and, yeah. and there's more life. Yeah. I think we have to think of the positive things. It's like there's a time to die, but there's a time to live again. Yeah, right. This leaves out. This leaves out yeah. the living in part. <laughs> and and he, he goes on to say in this chapter that we're just like, well, that's the next one. Let's see. Um, he encourages me if I do something wrong, he's a you're gonna die. <laughs> That's right. I remember when I turned 50, one of my thoughts was, you know, when you hear somebody that died, let's say, in their 50s, you're like, okay, that's sad, but they got a life. You know, they had some time. That's, that's, I, that's my first thought. I was like, I'm like, I'm at the age where you're like, yeah, you gotta go. You know? so, <laughs> um, this is from just a few verses later. God has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And this is my question based on that. Um, so we're the only animals who know, I think, I think we're the only animals. I never came home when I was a kid and my dog was contemplating his death. You know, as far as I know, I probably not. Although they do know when to go away sometimes. When Maybe I'm talking myself out of this question. <laughs> is it a good thing that God has set eternity within our hearts? It's almost like, um, yeah, the, the writer is saying, we're the ones who know and understand. I mean, I've, I think I've heard sermons on this. He said eternity, he has set eternity in the human heart. What does that mean? I was feeling very I guess it doesn't mean that. It kind of speaks to me of longing for God, because mm -hmm. God's eternal. And it makes me think of Acts 17 when Paul basically says, He put us here on this earth in these situations so that we would reach out for Him. Yeah. I feel like it's like a homing signal or something. Yeah. You know? It's that thing that makes us long for more than this life, to not be satisfied like maybe a dog is with our lot in life. There's got to be something more, and yeah. that more is God. Yeah. I think it speaks to us connecting to each other, and you know, as people, the fact that we can feel connected to people we've never met on the other side of the world is one thing, but also that connection to like our ancestors that we didn't even know, but just understanding that I'm here in this place because my great-grandfather, my great-grandfather made some kind of decision that, yeah. that led to my family being here. Uh, yes. Yeah. 
I think we grasp that. I don't think animals grasp that part. But that is good. I used to think about my dog sometimes because he would get up, he'd get up from one spot and go twirl around and lie down another spot. Why? Why? You know, maybe there's sun right there. It's warmer, but it's all just you know reaction to stimuli. I guess. And does this verse say that that we are as human beings created in God's image? We don't just react to stimuli. We have more agency or more wisdom or knowledge. More language. <laughs> I mean, there are some behaviorists who say that we're, we just react to stimuli ourselves. If we really knew why we make decisions, we would realize we have no free will. Uh, that's what some people are suggesting, which is interesting. I mean, it's an interesting thought. I choose not to read those books. <laughs> Just to prove them wrong. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the, I, the thing I get from reading the wisdom literature, especially Ecclesiastes, you know, your short days of your miserable life, there's wisdom. There's just, it's wise to, but it's also wise if, if, we, if there is an eternity to live your life in a way that that acknowledges that and plans for that and that's all for that. Yeah. Uh, Christians, you know, and earlier since they used to keep a memento mori, like which is a memento of death that might be a little skull, but they viewed it as valuable to know you're going to die every yeah. day. And my brother died twelve years ago and he was my only sibling and there was something about his death that's like my continual memento mori. Like I literally think about death in some form every day. And it's not a bad thing. It's almost like a companion. You know, yeah, but it, okay. it gives focus to my life. It gives perspective. Will this matter after, I, you know, we're going to yeah. die? Is yeah. this, does this right here matter? Right. And sometimes the answer is yes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. And a lot of times, though, it's no. Yeah. And, and so I think it's really it's, it's helpful to know mm-hmm. you're going to die and not to forget that, not to think this is it. Yeah. And I mentioned uh, Richard Orr has a thing about that life is practicing letting go. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're pra- we practice letting go a little bit every day, and then that, then your point is time to die. You're like, okay, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Right. Let go. Mm-hmm. Ready to let go. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, that's that's encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's a thought. You'll yeah. You'll do this for a week and come back tell me. <laughs> The idea of dying is tied to the idea of tomorrow, which is a function of language. And I wonder if the Nobobo apes and the chimpanzees and the gorillas have had 800 words that need to be with sign language. More, more, implies that they're looking a couple of minutes into the future. And they understand today. If you have that much language, it may lead you to think about tomorrow. Yeah. So it may be a function of language. Yeah. You have to have it to express the idea. And yeah. some, of, some of these uh, articulate primates may actually yeah. understand that one day they'll get so sick they won't wake up. I wonder. Okay, yeah, I'll think about that. <laughs> and I need to read more about. Well, the guy who wrote the book, the book is called um, Behave, and it's 
I, I heard Randy Harris, who teaches at Abilene, talk about it. He says, if you read that book, you, you'll think, I'm not sure I can make any decisions, uh, that any decisions are up to me. I mean, we're so influenced by all the environment and things that have made us who we are. Mm -hmm. And he, he did work with chimpanzee. That's where he did his uh, research and then applies it to us. So anyway, just read that book, Behave. It's really thick and long, and apparently it's going to keep you up at night. Okay, I've always thought about this verse, and I'd love to, to collect some wisdom on this. Um, this is from chapter 7. In this meaningless life of mine, I've seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Do not be over-righteous. This, this is the part I've always thought. You can be too religious. Is, that, is the Bible really saying this? <laughs> you know, you actually can be too... Is it possible to be too spiritual? This is my question. <laughs> Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked, and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. Now that's a, your translation may be different on that. Um, also, is there an appropriate amount of wickedness we're supposed to be? <laughs> Overwicked. Don't be overwicked. Not underwicked either. If you've ever had an older brother, I think you understand that concept. <laughs> well, I mean, as the youngest brother, I mean, they were kind of wicked to me at times. <laughs> they taught me that cows go nay uh, and you know horses go moo. I mean, I, they were wicked, but they weren't overly wicked. <laughs> there were limits. They they knew their limits. How about uh, cunning and guile? Like um, I don't know if they're related to wickedness versus innocence or. Yeah, be as innocent as dove. The dove and a shrewd as a snake. That's what Jesus said that, right? Somewhere, I, I don't recall the source, but they, the, the advice was don't wear your halo too tightly. <laughs> 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 yeah, you, the rest of you <laughs> That's overly righteous. Can be maybe self-righteous? Yeah. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what happened to the Pharisees? Yeah. So that you lose focus on who your creator is and you become the, the God of your own life. So part of this is recognizing that we aren't God. Um, and we're all doing the best we can. <laughs> so don't think that you're overly... to be too righteous. I think I've known these people. I think I know them. I might need one. Sometimes. Come to mind. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. You need to loosen up a little bit. That's <laughs> funny. And the day of death is better than the day of birth. I love that when you're driving, you can listen to the Bible. <laughs> um, you know, to me it seems like, be sure and have some fun. Yeah. Don't wear yourself out trying to do everything right, do, you know, being over-righteous, because then you don't have a chance. I don't know, it just seems like you 
You don't want to lose your ability to play. <laughs> She's really smart. <laughs> you thinking it's the opposite? <laughs> be overly right. Do not be over righteous. I always think I know, so. yeah. Like you talk about Richard Horsome, and I know like one of his like philosophies is that like to become like a like a full like child of God, you have to like understand what your sinful nature is and so like like you can't become like a process of sanctification I guess involves knowing your dark side and knowing that like you're always going to have a dark side yeah and yeah. trying to like hold those things and not necessarily like giving into your dark side but like knowing like this side of me exists and not just like suppressing it yeah you know I don't know something yeah. about like Something about that kind of like strikes me in this passage a little bit. Yeah, I think about people who feel so guilty over something, and and there's there's appropriate guilt for sure. But some, but there's something about recognizing, well, we're not God, you know, you're not perfect. So. And and to overcome your sin, you have to like acknowledge your sin in some way. I don't know. Yeah, and some people are so afraid to acknowledge it, they mm -hmm. become self-righteous. Yeah. I was I was living in Miami and I'd heard about Lipscomb and everything. I thought everybody went to Lipscomb had halos over their heads walking around there. And then when I came here and I remember the first test I had in the first class, I heard somebody in the back room say, Hey, what's the answer to number thirty six? <laughs> I'm saying, What? what, what? <laughs> And so, anyway, so those things changed. Wait a minute, somebody was cheating? <laughs> <laughs> so I swore I was never going to cheat on anything at all. I never did. My first year of teaching at Lipscomb, I taught, and, and the word auditorium was big. There's like 150 students in the class, and it was really hard to take roll and everything. So I, I would take roll at the beginning of class, like, I forget the card or something. And then I would lead a prayer. And then about halfway through the semester, some uh, of the students said, I just want you to know that when you close your eyes and do the prayer, some people leave out the back. So lips go, yeah. Isn't it, I mean, the verse 18 kind of says it's good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Almost to say that if you go onto the extreme, like if you're too righteous or you're too, are you kind of, Sticking your witness for long, you, you lose yourself. Like you're both. Like you're not. Yeah. You're not just all righteous or just all wicked. You are actually somewhere in between. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. All right. Um, I like this one too. <laughs> Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. <laughs> For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. <laughs> so this is my comment. Sometimes I just choose pretend I don't know. I, you know, like I just read my student reviews. There was a student who didn't really like my class. But I I know some professors don't ever read their reviews, and I'm like, why don't you read them? This is why they don't read their reviews. <laughs> like, I would rather not know. <laughs> I mean, but I I'd like to improve. But sometimes, is it better just don't? I don't want to know that. I don't want to listen to that. Um, I don't want to hear that criticism. There's a there's a scene in one of the Chronicles of Narnia books 
where Lucy is observing her classmates talking about her. Yeah. And Aslan says, you are not going to have to stick with that. Like, you have, don't take it against them, but you are not going to be stuck with that knowledge. Yeah. And, and I, I think about that a lot, similar to this, of like, it's not, it's the, I mean, yes, reading a review is good, helps you, but you then are, you're stuck with that information. Yeah. And you know who said it, like, you know, and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. there's, there's a cost. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on the person. We all know people who um, you can say whatever you want to them, you know, student uh, to a teacher, and it just kind of rolls off your back. But and maybe even with our own children, I think there there are kids who, if you say something pretty direct and, and maybe a little harsh, it just kills them. You know, it's just so hard for them to get past that. <laughs> they don't care what, what you say. <laughs> and I think a lot of us, I mean, we, you know, if somebody says something to you that hurts your feelings, yeah, you know, it's like if you're wise and somewhere in the middle of these extremes, you'll consider it and then, you know, yeah. let it go. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, it's a lot of these things, and I know that one verse we had up there a little while ago, it said, or you will follow both. Uh, as opposed to you know, being in the middle and yeah. try to, yeah. so. Yeah. I also think it's just a reminder not to take yourself too seriously, you know, and I, I, to me it's perfect parenting advice. Don't listen too closely to what your children are muttering <laughs> under their breath. <laughs> or if you don't want to know, and you did the same thing to your parents, you know, like, there's people we don't like, there's people who don't like us, just let that stuff go, don't listen too closely to it. Yeah. Thing of the age of social media, this is a really yeah. <laughs> like thing that you see people, and it's like honestly, you might say the same thing, you're just not going to put it on Facebook because you have some sense. But like, yeah. I don't know, I think it's important. There's a saying that you're not everybody's cup of tea. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You know, being in construction, you know, if I hit my the same finger the first time, I can kind of handle it. If I hit it the second time, the same one. I kind of can handle it, but if I hit it the same thing the third time, I don't know what's going to happen then. I'm totally out of control. You're really bad at hammering it. <laughs> which, which is me. That's me for sure. Okay, one last one. Um, I've always enjoyed, do not revile the king, even your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. And I've always heard, a little birdie told me, and I think it comes from this. A little birdie told me. We get that all the time, watch what you say. <laughs> and then social media, this doesn't vary and the people that are warning you against, warning you against, are the rich and powerful. Yeah. It doesn't say you can't revile the poor. That's right. <laughs> right. The rich and powerful, it may get back to them. Mm -hmm. It could get to them in some way that you don't recognize. You, you say something to somebody that you think is going to keep it a city, and they tell somebody, and then and you get fired. And, and maybe on a, you know, maybe this is in the over-righteous side, but there's also something to be said about what you're doing in private is going to come out mm -hmm. and what you do in public. Yes. Mm 
And so even like it's even the first one, even in your thoughts, yeah, like that that can come out in some other way. It's gonna come out. It reminds me of social media. My kids are 13 and 14 and we homeschool, so they're kind of in a bubble, so they have no social media account. So one day I was like, what if y'all just never have social media, <laughs> like ever? Because the things, you know, like especially I hear these things of teenagers saying stupid things and it coming back to haunt them decades yeah. later. Yeah. You're doing it in your bedroom in some way at times, yeah. but you're, you're on a phone. <laughs> yeah. and it's like just... Don't even at all. That's that's the kind of it's the the tenor I see in that verse is how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even think any of those things because it'll come out. Yeah, when you apply to college, the first thing you do is you go back all your social media feed, yeah, post right. and delete. I did exactly. that for a <laughs> And then you do it again when you apply to the job. And then you yeah, yeah, keep that feed edited. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom today and being here. Uh, have a great rest of your week. And don't criticize the class. I want to be around you when you hear me. I want to see what you say. It would take me.